Hello, everybody. Yeah, it was, I've kind of actually felt like, why am I speaking? Annabelle is still a lot of work, but here we are. We made it. So <laughs> by the grace of God, I will <laughs> deliver something of value to you today. Um, <laughs> all right. I think I better pray first, though. She is, like, particularly difficult to get to sleep all week, actually. So, um, All right, God, I just thank you so much for just letting us be here together today. What a blessing and a gift that is. Um, thank you for just the honor it is to be able to spend this time speaking to these people and anyone that listens later on podcast. God, I just pray that you would speak through me, that you would give me the words to say whatever is on your heart, whatever needs to come across that you want to be able to speak to anyone listening right now. I pray that you would just um, get me out of the way and just let me be a vessel for your purposes right now. I pray that you would give us all ears to hear what your spirit is saying, eyes to see what you're doing. I pray that you would commune with us during this time, that you would really speak to each individual heart whatever they need to hear right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, okay, so <coughs> Jason at first was like, you should speak on money. And I was like, I like that topic, actually. And I just recently read a book called um, Money, Possessions, and Eternity, I think it's called, by Randy Alcorn. It's really great. And so I was going to maybe go there, mainly just looking at an eternal perspective on it, which is really great to think about with everything. Um, but then it, God kind of brought this whole other topic, and it's kind of a challenging one. Um, so I felt like he wanted me to speak on holiness. So um, I'm going to spend the first, maybe third, hopefully, of the sermon kind of laying a theological groundwork for us. But I felt like God wanted to actually focus a lot on some pretty practical things and to do almost more like equipping you guys today. Um, so I actually do love this topic because if you really understand holiness, um, and, and I felt like we needed to kind of establish a little bit too, it's almost one of those words that's become like a dirty word in our culture, I feel like, kind of like you, you, don't, you can't say sin or sinner and you can't say holy because it's kind of gotten associated with this like judgmental, like holier than thou type of thing, which is actually a complete hijacking of the word, right? So, um, so let's start with some definition, right? So really what holy means, and it kind of comes out of in the Old Testament with like the temple and the holy of holies, like there's the holy place and there's the holiest of holy places. Um, but even in the, with the temple, even the utensils and the things used were like God gave these very specific instructions to the Levites on how they were supposed to um, make these things holy. They were supposed to be holy. And it, what it really means is to set apart. And it means to be consecrated or devoted to God for his purposes and his use. So if you apply that idea to our lives, this idea of I am set apart and I have been devoted to God, I'm dedicated or consecrated to God for his purposes and his use, then actually it can be a very beautiful word, right? And this idea can be a very beautiful concept of our faith. Um, but I think also there can be a little bit of you know, and especially, like, our church is so big, and I love this, that we're so big on the gospel and the truth of the gospel, which is really, and I'm going to get into this a little bit more, is really the fact that, like, this is by grace. Like, we've been saved by grace. This is not about us needing to jump through hoops, us needing to do all of this work to be right with God and to be, you know, even be made holy um, because we have been bought for a price and we've been ransomed and redeemed and justified by faith and clothed in the righteousness of Christ, right? And that's all so 100% true and I'm going to spend a little bit of time just establishing that theological framework. Um, but I also do want to kind of dive in a little bit because I don't think we go here very often as a church and this is my chance to get into stuff you know that like maybe we don't talk about that much in church like money and holiness you know all these fun topics like Jason throws all the difficult stuff to me right so um anyway this idea of sanctification which is this process of becoming holy or becoming more like Jesus 
versus, I'm going to use the word imputed righteousness. So we have a slide that's going to help us with our theology here. Um, there is a lot of scripture about this, and I also wanted to, <laughs> I have these like random things that I'm really passionate about. One of them is learning history, um, because I don't feel like people learn history anymore very well, and also um, the history of our faith, right? So if you don't know much about the Protestant Reformation and Martin Luther, it's a great thing to study, right? So um, he, you know, was, was a monk, and they were very caught up in that era of the church, this is, you know, 1500s, um, in, you know, penance, and there was a lot of kind of you earn your righteousness, right? You do this, and you do this, and you do this, and then God loves you, and you're right with God, and they didn't even talk that much about God's love, actually, I feel like, in, in that era of the church, um, so, you know, he, and he's just weighed down with guilt all the time, and then he reads through Romans and discovers, wait a minute, I think that we have this all wrong, and just the scriptures come alive to him, and he discovers that our righteousness is not by our works, but it's by our faith, right? And that's like this huge revelation that in some ways the church is still trying to actually get and walk in. Um, so this idea of imputed righteousness, so impute, which, there we go, um, is to ascribe to someone by virtue of a similar quality in another. So in other words, like this transference in our faith, we are imputed righteousness, which is basically the righteousness of Christ that we get given as a gift, not by anything we do, but by faith, right? We put our faith in Christ, and now we are given a gift of righteousness. And what is righteousness, right? So righteousness is basically being made right with God. Um, it's being justified before him as though we've never sinned. It's free from sin. There's no condemnation. And lots and lots of verses hopefully are coming to your mind as I say these phrases. All right, justification is very similar. Um, it's the action of declaring or making righteous in the sight of God. So they're kind of used interchangeably. And then um, just righteous, which is obviously connected to righteousness, but um, acting in accord with divine or moral law, free from guilt and sin. Okay, so I know this is a lot. Just throwing it out there. We've got to lay the foundation, right? So, um, okay, so I've got four verses we're going to look at really briefly just to establish so you know I'm not making it up, um, plus the whole book of Romans. And actually, we talked about this when we did our Galatians study, too. That kept coming up, too, right? Like freedom in Christ and um, all that. So, First Corinthians, Corinthians one thirty. Okay, yeah, there we go. We got all four verses all at once. So, it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. So, he has become our righteousness. We can see there, okay? Then 2 Corinthians 5.21. This is, this is a great verse to memorize, actually, 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so he takes on the sin of the world, right? So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. So there's this divine exchange where he takes on our sin, and now we're made righteous. Um, and there's a passage that talks about being cloaked or clothed in the righteousness, like the robe of righteousness. So I love the visual idea of here I am in my filthy rags, born into sin, and a sinner, and then I come to Jesus, put my faith in him, and he clothes me with a robe of righteousness. And that is now how I'm seen before God and seen before heaven. It is not my own works. It's nothing I've done. It's by faith that now I have been made clean and pure and right before God. And I have the righteousness of Christ now put on me. Um, okay, this is a little bit longer one, but we obviously need to throw something from Romans in there. So um, Romans 5, 17 through 19. I think this one is not too hard to follow, actually. So it, for if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? So when it says for if by the trespass of one man, who's that referring to? Right, Adam, okay? So Adam sins, and now all have fallen short of the glory of God. We're all born into sin, but now through that one man, Jesus, how much more will his abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through Jesus Christ? 
Consequently, just as one trespass, again, Adam, resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. And then again, it's like Paul is really wants to hit this home. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, Jesus, the many will be made righteous. Okay? So our righteousness is established in Christ. And last verse, Philippians 3, 9, and Paul's talking about other stuff. And then, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, which, you know, those of you who are drawn to this stuff and want to study it more, there's just so much, right? But, like, that's kind of the whole idea of the Old Testament. It was, they followed the law. They had to follow the law. And then they saw, wait, I can't do this. I fall short. But that was how they achieved their righteousness. But now, in Christ, it's through faith, right? So, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. So it is by us, basically, just believing and receiving that gift that God has already purchased for us in Christ. So that is the good news, right? That's the gospel. And that is, hallelujah, praise God, amen, right? (laughs) And we could stop there, but I felt like God wanted me to speak on holiness. So now, to just differentiate, differentiate a little bit. They're, they're connected, right? Because there's this idea of God is holy and righteous, and now we have been made holy and righteous in him. But there's also the idea of holiness being set apart for God. And I think um, Jason and I were talking about this a little bit too. You know, how do you contrast those two things? What's the difference between righteousness and holiness? And um, we both agreed, and this interesting article I read online about it that got into all this very theological stuff, um, also agreed that holiness is a little bit different, and there, one of the things is it, it involves a much more active participation on our part, and what's interesting, well, we'll get into this when you get into the scriptures, but I, I, I guess I'll throw it out now, too, is um, God never says be righteous in the scriptures. It, it's very clear, especially in the New Testament, that it is a gift, and it is something you receive. You receive righteousness, and this idea of, you know, this robe, right? It's a thing, okay, that you take on and put on and receive. But he does say be holy. So there is an active participation. There's actually even in the imperative a command given, right, where it's something you go and do and be and become. So there's something different about it. So this is where it's going to get exciting, right? So um, again, righteousness is our new standing before God. I'm just going to read this part, sorry. but um, In Christ Jesus, we've been declared righteous, pure and sinless, forgiven, justified before God, despite the fact that we were born into sin and may still struggle with sin. Probably a little, right? We are now in right standing with God without our sin blocking us anymore. It is a gift that cannot be earned through any hard work or merit and is based on our faith, not anything we have done or not done. However, Holiness is about being set apart for God, coming out of the world and becoming more like Jesus. It is a process and involves active participation on our part. It requires drawing near to him. It requires allowing the Holy Spirit to fill us and grow his fruit in our lives. It involves our character and our hearts, right? He has put a new heart in us. We have a new spirit in us. But are we walking in that? Are we living in that? Are we participating in that? Are we allowing the Holy Spirit to come and do that work? Um, it has to do with the renewing of the mind. So if we can get Romans 12, 1 through 2 up, I love this verse. This is one of my favorite verses, actually, as a younger person, a kid or a teenager. I don't remember exactly how old I was, but therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Again, there's active participation. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Okay, so there's a renewing of the mind. There's going to be new mindsets. There's going to be new perspectives. There's going to be, as I draw near to God and as I become more like him, as I become set apart for him, I'm going to look less like the world. I'm going to think less like the world. I'm going to have new perspectives. I believe God wants to do this in every area of our lives. And sometimes what I've seen happen 
is you can think, I'm fully surrendered to God. I know God's heart. And then he's like, how about this area? And you're like, whoa, I super think like the world on that area. And he's like, let me open up a heavenly perspective. And you're like, that's really different than anything I ever thought of and anything I ever knew of. And you're asking me to surrender this area to your life. And that's going to be radical, and that's going to be different. And I will tell you one of those areas that you can see proof in my life is with having children. So it was a pretty radical transformation that took part in my mind and in my heart. And I found myself all of a sudden swimming very upstream, even sometimes in the church, right? Because I just had the perspective that the world has, and you, you know, you go on birth control, and you decide when you want to have your kid, and if, if we could, as Americans, choose the sex, we'd do that, too. You know, we control every, I want them to be born on this day and at this hour, and um, that's very American mindset, right? And God just blew it all up, and, you know, I won't get into all that. That's not my point of the sermon, but point is, there's different ways that heaven works and different perspectives that heaven has, and I can pretty much guarantee every single one of us, including me, still has areas where we don't quite think like God does. And we don't quite see from heaven's perspective yet. And we have to stay very open and very soft-hearted and very humble to be able to go on that journey with God and realize that there's probably going to be some new mindsets he wants to give us as we press into him. So um, our hearts begin to burn with the things that burden God's heart, the things of heaven. That becomes what's on our heart. Our prayers change. Our, you know, our mindsets change, right? And then we can actually see what is God's will. Um, our behavior and actions will begin to look different, right? Obviously. Um, we're no longer going to look and think and act like the world. So this is that process of being set apart and um, beginning to be more like Jesus. Uh-oh, what did I do? Got my notes all mixed up. Hold on. Let me get them back in order. Okay, so now, so that you know I'm not making that up either, we're going to look at verses that prove that, yes, God wants us to be holy, and it does mean set apart, and it is something we actively participate in. Okay, so Colossians um, 3, 12 through 13. Therefore, this is the verse in our living room, if anyone has been in there and seen that. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, so there we go, he's calling us holy, but here's the action, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Okay, so these are things that we pursue, right? Are we learning to walk in compassion and kindness? Are we walking in humility, gentleness, and patience? Then another action, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. And again, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So um, I think that there's a lot of times where forgiveness takes the Holy Spirit, right? That is not necessarily an easy thing to do if you're just operating in your own abilities. But if we are becoming holy and set apart and drawing near to God, he gives us his supernatural ability and grace to forgive and to love one another deeply and to walk in these attributes and as well as the fruit of the Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit's growing that in us. Um, okay, then um, 1 Thessalonians 3, 12 through 13, just real quick. Um, may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. So again, this idea of love, right? We know that that's, I mean, I love that that was like a big focus with the worship today. This is all really coming out of our love for God and him pouring his love into us and us being able to love the world. That's really holiness summed up, right? Um, it's like the whole law is fulfilled in one statement love your neighbor as you love yourself, right? Um, but again, that's going to take God, and that's going to take us drawing near to him and him bringing holiness into our lives, being set apart for him, right? Okay, may you strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. So when Jesus returns, that we would be blameless and holy, okay? Again, be 
blameless and holy. It's an action. All right. First Thessalonians 4, 3 through 8. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. And I did have a lot of other verses on holiness, right? So I just I cut out and cut out. This is what's left. Um, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. So there's that word, sanctification. You can study that too. That you should avoid sexual immorality. That each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. See, live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. So is it wrong to pursue holiness? Sometimes when we're so, like, grace-focused and we've been given righteousness, we almost feel like, no, we don't need to worry about that, right? Like, we got that covered. Like, God loves us so much. So true, okay? But he has more for us right? That's what it's about. He has more for us. There's more that he wants us to be able to walk in, not because, you know, it's our duty, but because he loves us and because he wants us to look like him. And that's how we're going to live an abundant life in Christ, right? Okay. Second Timothy. Oh, sorry. Just back to that verse again, real quick is again, it looks different than the ways of the world. We don't live like the world. We don't live like those who do not know God, but we live a set-apart holy life. In some ways, the summary is like we're not going to be like the world, right? Um, that's at least one point here. Okay, 2 Timothy 2, 20 through 22. It's a lot of cool stuff in this passage, but I'm going to have to just focus on a few things. But in a large house, because there's like a whole cool analogy God's using here that I love, actually. But in a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So again, there's some actions, right? Flee the evil desires of youth, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Um, but again, this cleanse yourself. Cleanse yourself. Be made holy. Be set apart. Useful to the master, right? So God loves us all all of humanity, every single person, right? He loves all of us, desires that we would all be saved and all come to know him, okay? Those who put their faith in Christ now are clothed in righteousness. He sees you as righteous, and you are always going to be in right standing, and nothing you can do will ever change that. But if you want to be used by the master, if you want to be prepared to do good work, I think we might need to do a few more things than just say, yay, I'm righteous, now let me go on my way and do whatever I want and live like the world, right? You can do that, but A, you're going to not be storing up your treasures in heaven, and B, you're going to miss out on a lot of good things God has for you. Okay, Hebrews 10, 14, for by one sacrifice he, oh, I like this one, for by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever, Justification, righteousness, we've been made perfect. Those who are being made holy, process, sanctification, okay? So I didn't make it up, right? Scripture backs it up. Um, okay, Hebrews 12, 14 through 15. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Make effort, every effort, actually, to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. I kind of like this one because what's the biggest criticism of the world to the church? Hypocrisy, right? We don't, we don't look any different sometimes than the world. If we looked like Jesus, they'd all be saved, right? The whole world would be saved if the church looked like Jesus. If Christians actually loved like Jesus, lived like Jesus, there's no problem. But what's the problem? Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. We're not being set apart. And sometimes we walk around thinking we just need to be um, politically correct. We just need to, like, you know, identify. Actually, no, that's not going to get us anywhere. They're not seeing the Lord because we're not set apart without holiness. Holiness is to be set apart. Okay. And I could go into so many things, and Jason was like, don't say some of that stuff. Like, okay, just let the Holy Spirit convict you of whatever it might be where you are looking like the world or thinking like the world or acting like the world, and let's not do that anymore. Okay, church? That's what I'm saying. Okay, 
See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Okay, last verse, and then we're going to get into our equipping and practicality. We've got some good stuff ahead. I don't know. I probably spent way more time than I was supposed to on that, but that's okay. You guys gave me lots of time, so. Okay, 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16. This is a good one, too. That's how we're ending with it. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Okay, so God is holy. He's set apart, and he's called us into that same thing. All right, now, our equipping. The million-dollar question, how do we get there? How do we become holy, right? So now maybe you're excited, like, yeah, we need to pursue holiness, but what the heck does that mean? How do I go home and do that in any practical way, right? And that's what we're going to work on now. All right, so first, we don't strive, right? And that's part of why... I think sometimes it feels dangerous to go talk about this topic because it feels like you need to go and work to become more holy and you need to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and you need to try to be righteous, right? And it's like, no, no, that's not how we do it. We realize we've already been made righteous, right? And actually, in some ways, that revelation alone begins to transform us and we actually just begin to live out because we realize I'm actually free right? I'm actually free from sin, so that disempowers the sin, and then we can go live it, okay? But I do think, and again, our scriptures kind of, it, there was this, the imperative means it's a command, it's, there's an action to it, right? So I think that there can still be some actions we take. So um, how do we engage in the process of sanctification or being set apart for God, becoming more like Christ? And now I'm actually going to get to the phrase and the key that God was telling me the whole time I was preparing for this over the last few weeks. And you've probably heard Jason say it, probably other people say it too. Beholding is becoming. Okay? Beholding is becoming. You've got to take that away in some ways. That's the subtitle of the sermon, right? Beholding is becoming. We become what we behold, all right? So that is the short answer. Now let's get into it. All right, well, actually, what we're about to do is, um, it's like we had the lecture, now we're going to have the lab, and I'm going to actually make you talk to God about it all, and then he can tell you what you need to change and do. <laughs> all right, but here is um, the verse that is really like the verse that is like my key verse for it all. Um, Colossians 3, 1 through 2. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So this verse is so good. So good. Another one you should memorize. You should memorize that 2 Corinthians 1 and then Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Okay. But again, a command. Set your hearts on things above. Set your minds on things above. So our hearts and our minds are commanded to be set on things above, not on earthly things. Okay? So let's just think about that for a minute. What are we setting our hearts on? What are we setting our minds on? What are we beholding? Because that's what we're becoming. So if our minds and our hearts are set primarily on the things of this earth, Okay, that are not even usually sinful things, right? We all have to live on this earth. I, I wanted to get into this. There's some great stuff in Screw Tape Letters, if any of you have ever read that. I really wanted to, like, quote all that, but I held off. Um, but basically this idea that essentially the enemy can use this tactic 24-7 with us to just get us to focus here, Right? And actually, if you look at philosophically what's going on in the world for a while now is naturalism, materialism, nature is all there is. What we can see and touch and feel and experience with our senses, that's all there is. That, that's actually the predominant belief, right, in our Western world. 
Okay? So if that's true, and, we're, and we succumb to that because it's around us, it's such a prevailing philosophy, then we're, we're never setting our minds on things above. There is no God, you know. There is nothing supernatural. There's no angels. There's no demons. There's no heaven. There's no hell. Okay, so this is, so even though we know we don't believe that as Christians, we live in a world that that is the prevailing philosophy, and we have an enemy that can use that tactic with us all the time because we have to live on this earth, right? Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the earth, but where are our minds set? Where are our hearts set, right? What are we looking on? What are we dwelling on? What are we letting shape us? Okay, is the world shaping us? Is our natural life shaping us? Is our, is our, our job, is it our school, is it our chores, is it our money, is it our possessions, is it even our relationships? Okay, we're going to get into this more in a second. Okay, so as we behold Jesus, which is different than every one of those things, right, other than relationship with him, but not relationship with our best friend or our spouse or our boyfriend or our girlfriend, but Jesus, as we behold Jesus, we will become like him. This is the key. This is how we walk in holiness, right? Okay, so we're going to come in a few minutes before Jesus, and we're going to talk with him about this, all right? So here's what I want you to think about, and here's what I want you to talk with Jesus about. I'm just going to give you a little instruction, and then we're going to do it, okay? So we're going to take a few minutes before the Lord to think about and talk with him about what are we beholding on a regular basis. So here's the things that you need to think about and ask him. God, what fills most of my thoughts? What am I looking upon, literally and figuratively? Um, we're going to take an honest look with him. What, is, what do I spend the majority of my time, money, and attention on? Okay, especially attention. And this is you said something about this a while. I was like, yes, Ethan, that's so good, and I feel like we need a whole sermon on just that. But I believe that there is one of the biggest battles that all humans on the planet are facing right now, and in some ways always, but is a battle for our attention and our affections. Definitely the battle for our affections has always been a big deal. I think we're in an unprecedented time with the battle for our attention, right? You think about, I always like to think about what was most of history like? What, what were most humans on the planet for, for, you know, these thousands of years before us living like. Okay, well, they were agrarian cultures. There was no electricity, no electronics, no technology of any, you know, modern sort. They were outside. Life was very slow. They're very connected to, the, to nature, to the ground. They're growing things. They're connected to animals. They're very relational because they have time for it. Okay, so their attention, things was just, were just slower, their attention could much more easily be turned to the things of heaven in, in certain ways. I think particularly, and this is, if anyone's ever heard of, um, they actually have a thing now called Nature Deficit Disorder, and um, there's a really cool book called Last Child in the Woods, and basically what we've done by removing children from being outside and being in nature and the way it's changed their brains and the, all these things. But one of the things is, I think, kind of like the, the C.S. Lewis stuff I was saying, is it makes it very hard to even recognize that there is a creator because you're never in creation. When you're out in creation, you, mo you much more naturally can see, oh, there's something bigger than me and my world I've created with either my technology or my belongings or, you know, my home or whatever. Um, so that's an interesting idea and topic, right? But, um, but again, just our attention. What is our attention going towards? Okay? And um, a lot of times I think many people, their attention is going to just worries. You're, they're anxious. And a lot of times it's just, it's the worries of life, right? The worries that are, are, you know, do I have enough money? Do I have, you know, my school, my, my job? What is my job going to be? What's happening at my job, right? Um, so is my attention and affections going towards the worries of life, finances, my job, entertainment, right? Entertainment, that can be our social media, our, our TikTok, our Instagram. It can be our Netflix, our movies, video games, and all sorts of other entertainment, you know, sports, doing activities, um, I love going on hikes, so I think about hikes every day. I don't know, not me, but um, some of you are, you know, surfing, hikes, whatever. Okay, um, is it your friends? Some of you maybe are like current events and news, politics. You're like really into that stuff. 
um, your stuff and your belongings, okay? So it can be a hundred different things depending on who we are and what captures us. Now, the point is 100% not that these things are inherently bad, right? We, we all need to have relationships. We need to have clothes and, you know, some basic possessions. We need to have money. We need to hopefully have a job. We have bills. We have chores. We're, you know, there's all these things in our lives that God's given us that are blessings. So the point is not these things are wrong or evil. It's just, are they consuming us? Are they taking all of our attention? Is this what we're giving all of our affection and our time and our energy? Is this what we're beholding? Is this what we're looking on? Is it just the things of earth? right? Or is it the things of heaven? Okay? So, um, beholding these things most of the time is not setting our mind on the things above. So, again, that contrast. Am I setting my mind and my heart on the things above, or am I setting them on earthly things? Okay? So, we're going to be honest before the Lord, and we're going to ask him to show us, God, what? And I am, like, I, I definitely struggled a bit with like, oh, I don't feel like I really can give this talk because I struggle too with this, you know? Um, and, and that's like I said, that the attention and, you know, sometimes for me it's like, it's so silly, but it's like I'm setting all of this time and attention and beholding like the homeschool co-op that I run because it takes a lot of time and energy and demand. And that's not wrong or bad, but if that's what I'm beholding most of the time, I don't want to become a homeschool co-op. I don't want this to become, you know, like what I'm about and what's taken all my attention and affection. Um, and so it's like I want my time and energy and affection and what I'm beholding to be Jesus. And it's interesting because even this week there's been a lot to do to, to prepare for next year for this, and I'm recognizing that I can either basically get up and start, like, trying to do it all kind of in my own strength, on my own, or I can behold Jesus, and I can be set apart for him, and I can put him first, and then I can say, God, I need you to work all this out. I need you to handle the finances of this. I need you to work out who's supposed to be in it and who's not supposed to be in it, and I need you. And it's cool, too, because one of the things I've had to spend a lot of time like last summer, is spending a lot of time meeting with people who might want to be in it and talking with them. And it's just such a time drain sometimes. And it was so cool because when I prayed like earlier, um, a month or two ago, he, was, he showed me to do an application. And then it's like I just do the application and then people send it in and I don't meet with anybody. I've met with one person this summer and that's about all I'm going to do. And otherwise it's just been, you know, here, here's the information, fill out the application, send it in. Okay, so here's my point, right, is um, I don't want to behold that. I don't want to give a bunch of time and attention and affection to something God isn't that isn't God, and he's not necessarily asking me to give all this time to, but if I will seek him first, he'll help me fulfill my responsibilities, but he'll give me creative strategies, and I'm doing it with him, and I'm not just out, like, doing it and letting it consume my heart and my mind, right? Okay, so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to just be quiet for a couple minutes, and don't, like, get all awkward about it. Just listen, and See, so the first step, we're going to do this twice, but the first thing is, God, what am I beholding? What am I giving so much of my time and affections? I'm going to be honest before you. Okay, I'm just going to pray, and then we'll be quiet, and I might have to take her to the cry room. She looks like she's going to interrupt our quiet time. <laughs> I know about that. Um, okay, God, we just come before you, and we do just want to be able to hear your spirit speak to us, and we want to be honest before you, and we want to allow your spirit to bring a loving, holy conviction, and we want you to show us what is it that we are letting consume our hearts and our minds and our thoughts, um, and we acknowledge these things are not necessarily bad. Some, some of them might be. Some of them might be things that you just want to get out completely, but some of them are are fine, things you've called us to, but we're maybe just letting over-consume us. Um, so we just pray that you would show us and reveal to everyone in this room right now, God, what are the things that we're beholding?
Okay, just stay in that place. And um, now I want you to just begin to ask Jesus if there's things that he would rather you spend your time and energy and thoughts on. Okay, so God, we just ask that you would show us what do you want us to do with the things we're beholding? What things do we keep? What things do we throw out? What things are of the things above? And what are the things we're beholding that are earthly things that we need to approach differently? And I pray that you would just show us all, God. Show us how to do what we need to do. Show us what practical changes we need to make to to help make this happen, God. We, We need you to speak to us and show us changes that we need to make today, this week, with how we spend our time, where our affections, our attention is going, and, and how we can behold you more and set our minds on the things above. Just show us what we need to exchange, God, and how we can spend our time, energy, and thoughts differently. God, I just ask that you would empower us this week by your Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you that we don't have to do these things in our own strength, but that part of grace is an empowering. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just come and empower each one in this room this week specifically to make some of these changes that you are convicting them of right now. And I pray that you would just help us to continually come before you and be willing to assess what are we beholding, what is capturing our affections and our attention, and to make regular changes, to make sure that it's you first, Jesus, that you are taking our primary affections and that our, our minds and hearts are set on you and on the things above, not on the things of this earth. So just bless each one as they, as they just pursue you this week and pursue beholding the things of heaven, in Jesus' name. Um, okay, I want to encourage you, if you feel comfortable, to share with a neighbor anything that the Lord might have shown you, like, specifically, like, a practical thing maybe you're supposed to do. And I feel like I need to say this, too, because um, I think the reality is, and I think a lot of us like to live in denial. I do, and my husband does, but... Um, <laughs> Our phones are a huge distraction, right? And they're a a necessary distraction in some ways. Um, You know, I think, in fact, I still get annoyed sometimes with those people who, you know, don't respond to your texts for like a day. And but part of me is like, I love that because you're probably really good about not being on your phone all the time. But it's also super annoying. And um, so, anyway, I just want to say. Be open to what God is really actually calling you to do to manage that beast, right? Like, set time limits. Say, I'm not going to be on it during these hours. Use all those gadgets I don't know how to do to make it say, okay, you reached your time limit with Instagram or whatever, you know? Or delete the app. 
You know, you can do that, right? And you can get back on it later if you need to. Um, I love, like, sometimes I'll see some of the moms on Instagram say, I'm off for July. I'm like, you're so awesome. Um, you know, or move them to a farther screen, you know. I, I don't know all the right words for it all, but you know what I'm talking about. Instead of it on your first one, you move it to the fourth one, and you're like, cool, I forgot I have Facebook on there. I, like, can't get on Facebook. It's way too annoying to me now. So um, I'm really selective, too, about this. is just some of my few random tricks, but I'm really selective about who I follow. Like, I'm like, if you don't uplift me and encourage me in some very specific way, I'm not going to follow you. So don't be offended, because I probably follow, like, none of you. But um, not, not because you don't uplift me, but, you know, I just don't appreciate that, like, you just like pictures of good photography or something, because I'm not a photographer. So anyway, it doesn't build me up. Okay, so, but I'm just saying, there's permission. You can be selective. I kind of wanted to, like, unfollow, you know, certain people that were, like, close friends, and, you know, they'll be offended if I don't. But, um or family, or whatever, but we won't get into that. Okay, so um, I, I stopped following my husband. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I do. i like, that's when I see, like, oh, that's fun stuff my kids were up to. Like, I didn't know Jason took him to do that, but um, okay, so last thing to close, but I felt like I felt like God was asking me to be, like, ridiculously practical. I had a dream about it last night. I was like, thanks, Lord, because I would have not gotten that practical, but um, yeah, just this equipping, like I was supposed to equip you guys, and um, some of you are probably like stellar at this, so just, you know, you can take a nap right now or something, but I just felt like he was showing me that some of you need some very practical equipping in this area, which is how to have a quiet time, okay, because I realized too, growing up, and I was in, you know, very different churches and definitely a different generation. Um, I felt like I got taught all the time how to have a quiet time. I, certainly in this church, I think we've never, ever talked about that, ever, unless you've done it, like, on a one-on-one. Um, I never hear people talk about that anymore. It's like, it's almost like, you can't talk about that. That's, like, too elementary or, like, belittling or I don't know. I don't know where it's coming from. Anyway, but I felt like the Lord was like, you're going to get that practical right now. And so um, I have a handout for you, and I could have made it much longer, and I'm going to put something on the group me that is much longer. You can start passing them out, um, but first of all, I, I feel like just the encouragement, like if you don't have a regular time that you actually meet with God, that is actually the equivalent, and I'm really serious, so I'm not being extreme in this analogy. That's actually, I think, the equivalent of having a best friend that you never see or talk to, which is ridiculous because that means they're not your best friend. Or being married to somebody that you don't ever have a conversation with and all you do is, like, see them once a week and I don't know. I don't know how you would, what the analogy would be with what worship service is, you know, but it's like, yeah, it's not, it's not the relationship that Jesus is wanting with you. I can promise you that, right? Okay, so if you want to become like Jesus, if you want to behold him, then the most practical thing any of us can do is have a regular time in his presence meeting with him, okay? But, and this is what I'm saying, some of you, I think, in this congregation are stellar at that, and you, like, would put us all to shame, and I also think that there's a lot of us that, like, don't even ever do that, or maybe don't even know what that means, and when I say that, you're like, yeah, what are you talking about? Okay, so we need to equip you. So first of all, slow down. You have to slow down to be able to have time alone with Jesus, and that is already like a huge challenge for humanity in this day and age. Um, second, kind of like I was saying, well, actually, this is in no particular order. These were just things I typed out and was throwing out, but um, being outside— so maybe it's not even your, like, quiet time with Jesus because maybe you will get distracted if you're out in nature. Um, maybe you need to do that just in a quiet room in your house or the house of prayer or whatever. But be outside and, like, connect with God because, like I said, when you're in his creation, it's much easier often to realize there is a creator than when we're just surrounded by, you know, man-made stuff and buildings and all that. Okay. Also, you need to be alone. So that's, again, why you can't say that, like, oh, well, I go to church four nights a week, you know? 
Well, that's still not a quiet time. You need to be alone. You need to cultivate your own personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. Um, you should include reading your Bible. <laughs> we need to read our Bible. If we want to know Jesus, and we need to know his word, and we need to read the Bible, and definitely a great place to start is reading through the Gospels. Um, I was reading through the Gospels recently, and I told Jason, I was like, you know, sometimes I feel like when you actually see who Jesus was, that we, like, are missing some really key parts of who Jesus is, because I was just struck by, like, the intensity that sometimes he has, and some of the really hard things he says, and all that. He's like, well, you should write a book called Badass Jesus, because people will buy it, because they'll like that title. I'm like, maybe I should, because I think we're missing that part of who Jesus was. (laughs) Um, Okay, so anyway, but we need to know him, and I think he was just, like, striking me and that season with that particular aspect of who he is, right? So, um, but that's a big part of how we get to know Jesus and how we get to know who God is. Um, Also, just want to make a plug for journaling. Um, I've been a little bit struck lately with how we're in, I think they use the term post-literate age. So everyone's literate and can read, but they don't, right? And I think that's true with writing, too. It's like, I know how to text really well, but like, actually writing something? No, I haven't done that since I was in school and I was forced to, right? Um, But maybe God wants to meet with you through journaling, or maybe you're supposed to write some stuff down that he's saying to you or whatever. I know for me, and you know, some of it's learning styles, personality, that type of stuff. When I write out a prayer, I'm much more like focused and actually experiencing God in that way, and then also um, can write sometimes what he's saying. And sometimes I can even write it before I, like, hear it, which is interesting, but I think that's just, you know, how some of us are wired, so try it, you know, maybe it's not for you, but maybe it is, Um, and then obviously pray, (laughs) like, talk to him and listen to him, like, that's one of my favorite biggest things in life is, like, we need to listen to God, and we need to talk to him, Um, and then this is not necessarily like, okay, so I kind of summed up how to have a quiet time on the handouts, um, but this is more just like over, or bigger picture of like how we can make sure that we're beholding and becoming like Jesus. So um, listening to sermons or podcasts that like help recenter your focus on Jesus, learning to literally dwell on the things of heaven. And I may speak at some point on, like, the money and then that, that book I was telling you about, but what was so cool about reading that book is how much he just keep, kept pointing to, like, like, remember eternity. Store up your treasures in heaven. Dwell on this. This is going to be, like, I mean, eternity, right? We can't even grasp it, but it's, you know, how there's, like, the dot and the, and the never-ending line, like, the mathematical, like, it goes on forever. So the dot is our life on earth, this tiny little vapor, and all of eternity is affected by the choices we make here on earth. So you can get some very sobering thoughts when you really take that all in and like, yes, I want to invest in eternity and every aspect of my life and not just earth and the things that are right now, right? So reflecting on that. So, um, okay, I have that sheet. I did want to, especially for the sake of the podcast and people who are post-literate and won't read this handout, you know, just go through it super, super quick. So, (laughs) um, set aside a time. So, ideal situation is you're going to set aside 30 minutes to an hour. Um, one of the things I found that was, like, for one of the, um, The only places I could find much about how to have a quiet time online were, like, some of the campus ministries. And one of them, it will remain unnamed, it was like, here's how to spend seven minutes with God. I was like, okay, or you could start there, but I'm going to challenge you to do 30 minutes or more. Um, It's like two and a half minutes for this and three minutes for this. I'm like, okay. All right, but start where you're at if that's all you have time for and can handle. Um, I think we all can make more than seven minutes. All right, moving on. Um, Ideally, you set aside a time, a regular time, and keep it like a very important appointment with a very important person, right? Because we can do that. We can like have an appointment and we can say, this is so vital to my life that I'm going to actually really prioritize this. Um, And mornings are ideal, 
because it kind of sets you up for the day, right? Um, not to say you can't spend time with God at night. Some of us are night owls, and we can really encounter God at night, but maybe that's where seven minutes in the morning and an hour at night, whatever. But um, most of us are a little bit more awake and focused in the morning. Um, find a place. So <laughs> this is where um, there was a very funny thing that somebody said to Jason years ago that um, was about, you know, this idea of coffee shops, like people love to have their everything at a coffee shop. And then this woman was like, well, you're not going to go, like, have intercourse with your wife at a coffee shop, are you? You know, and so this idea of maybe public places are not always the best place to go be intimate with God. Um, And so Jesus did go to a solitary place when it was quiet and it was actually still dark, so very early in the morning. So anyway, um, find a place ideally that's alone and you can be focused. Uh, prepare your heart. So this, and I could talk about this for a long time. I won't. We're definitely out of time. But um, there is a discipline of learning how to quiet our hearts and minds. Okay? So engage in that discipline. That's all I'll say. If you feel like you want more, I have a whole cool testimony and kind of teaching on that. But learn how to discipline yourself to quiet your heart and mind. Don't take your phone. Don't take your to-do list. Don't, you know, let your mind just swirl out, right? Focus on Jesus. It sometimes takes practice and time. Um, And then I'll let you read this, but basically just remember the main purpose is connection with Jesus. I think one of the big encouragements I can give is read the word and don't do it just to, like, check it off of your to-do list, you know? Now, if you want to do, like, read the Bible in a year, like, cool, but it takes more time, and sometimes the danger of just doing a, a checklist type thing is you can forget, I'm here to meet with God. So I really encourage you, especially if this is a newer thing, just, you know, read, start in Matthew or the Psalms or whatever, and just read until something jumps out at you. And then let God just speak to you and then talk with him about that. And, okay, God, what do you want me, what are you saying to me? What maybe do you want me to do about this? Like, have a conversation, connect with him. That's the encouragement. And then, you know, pray. And um, uh, giving thanks to God is really, really great. Don't make your prayer time just, God, give me this do this, you know, that, like, there's time for that, that's fine, you know, pouring out our hearts to him is the main thing, and giving thanks, and praising him for who he is, remembering his promises, and we can express our concerns and our needs to him, okay, so that's all there for you, I will post something in the group me that gives a little bit more, I don't necessarily agree with 100% of what I'm going to post, but it's still got really good stuff in it, I I don't, like, disagree, but, um, okay, anyway, I'm going to pray, and then You guys have a song for me, right? Or a few, maybe. Um, Okay. God, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the gift of righteousness and the gospel and the good news that we have been forgiven, that we have been cleansed, that we are no longer under guilt and condemnation. There is no shame for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we thank you that you have something better to offer us, that not only do we get freedom from sin, but that you have abundant life for us in Christ Jesus. And I pray that you would just help us all to set our minds on the things above, to set our hearts and our affections on you, to not succumb to the distractions of this world, to not think like this world, to not look like this world, to not be... um, just caught up in the worries of this world, Lord, but that you would just allow us to walk truly in the freedom that you have for us and the joy that you have for us and the fruit of the spirit that you have for us and just experiencing your love and pouring that back out onto others and that we would behold you and we would put our time and attention into that and that as we behold you, we would become more like you and that we would truly be set apart for your purposes and for your glory, and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.